Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Rootsway Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Ringenberg. Happy holidays, everybody, and hopefully you've been able to get some good family and friend time, and hopefully you've gotten out on the slopes. The skiing in California is not that great right now, but I am trying my hardest. Today on the show, we have Jupiter. Jupiter is a long-distance thru-hiker. He's done some of the coolest trails out there. He also has one of the best YouTube channels for hiking on the internet. Very informative, and he brings you out with him on the trail, which I quite enjoy that perspective. Really, really awesome dude, and I hope you get as much out of this conversation as I did with Jupiter. So, without further ado, here is Jupiter. You. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Yeah, in a nice warm home, even though it's almost December and up far north in Canada. So, very happy to be in a nice warm space. <laughs> <laughs> Could you uh, give your, uh, the listeners your name and what you do and everything? Sure. I'm uh, Jupiter, or I guess online, Jupiter Hikes. Some people call me that and include the hikes, but it's really just Jupiter. Um, I'm a long distance hiker. I've hiked more than 17,000 miles on uh, long distance trails around the US, Canada and stuff like that, or 27,000 kilometers for uh, people who aren't in the United States. And that includes the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, and a whole slew of others. Just recently, I finished the Great Divide Trail, which is uh, 1,200 kilometers across Canada. And been doing that for a long time. Started long distance hiking maybe in like 2012 to 2014 range. Um, Been living out of a van for the past like four years. So doing the van life thing, uh, I create like... YouTube videos, little like short films about my hikes and I'm a painter. So I do a lot of uh, landscape paintings that are inspired by these trips that I go on. And yeah, I guess that's kind of about me. <laughs> that's awesome. Have you done the, um, the CDT as well? No, I haven't. That's kind of like the last big thing I feel like I'm missing in the U.S., you know, cause I've, I've done the other two triple crown and then I've done like, I don't know, so many random ones, random, smaller ones, random, longer ones, random, like really hard ones. The, the grand enchantment trail or the great divide trail just recently, um, hiked about twice the distance of the triple crown and just haven't done <laughs> the CDT yet. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of been one of those things where it's like, of course I want to do it. You know, it's one of the most like premier long distance trails in the U S in the world. Um, it's got a great community around it and it goes through some really like truly amazing places. But, um, I don't know. I've, it, it's never been like the biggest deal to me to like chase the triple crown per se. You know, if there's something else that's like currently exciting me more then I, go do that instead. Whereas I I think a lot of people do get really focused on like the triple crown, you know, the AT, the PCT, the CDT, Um, you know, and sometimes it seems like a few people I've known, you know, they may not even want to do that last one, but they're kind of doing it just because it's part of that package, you know? So I've just kind of followed my heart and haven't done that one yet. But it's definitely very high on the list, and very likely next year is when I'll go after it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you have anything to prove. <laughs> You're uh, definitely done so much hiking, so yeah. Yeah, but it's still kind of funny. Like even just you know, you now, uh, it's oftentimes the first question I get asked is you know if I'm a triple crowner or if I've done the CDT specifically. You know, because that's always the the big one people have questions about. You know, whereas the AT and the PCT are a bit more straightforward. So it, it is just funny that that's like always the first thing that comes up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's logically like a good question to ask, I think. 
for long distance. Oh, for sure. No, I get it. But (laughs) it does all the time. It makes me feel like, man, maybe, maybe this is my year, (laughs) you know, just finally Uh like squash that. (laughs) Because I know I'd enjoy it. it. I know I'd love it. Right. (laughs) Yeah, of course you would. Um, If you had like one piece of advice for anybody that like is looking to do one of those long hikes, like what would the first thing you would say be? Oh man. I mean, if you haven't done something like that before, I guess probably my best piece of advice is to just go backpacking a lot, you know, because if you don't enjoy that overnight trip, that two day trip, that three day trip, um, and keep extending those to like a week long trip, then that's like really what a through hike is. It's just doing that over and over and over. It's adding like complexity because now you're not going home in between those short trips. Now you're at a hotel where you got to figure out how to do laundry and you got to like buy weird food and you only have a day to do these things. Um, so going on a lot of really short backpacking trips and like, if you really love that, then I think you would love something like, you know, a much longer one. But of course, there's there's all those people out there as well that really stand out in, you know, that they, they've never really done the short trips and they have no interest in the short trips. But like something like the Triple Crown is just like so unbelievably appealing to them and they love it and they just like, yeah, have a great time. So I don't know. I think the short trips, there's just so much to learn. You know, when you're like out in your home, you can go out in the winter and spend a day, you know, if you're in a milder climate, uh, you know, and really figure out your layering systems, you can go out in the rain and figure out like, how is your rain jacket working? Or if you want more stuff or how to set up your tent in the rain, you know, you can figure out like how much food you eat in a day, two days, you know, how much water you need per five miles or something, depending on the weather. Like there's just, there's just so many like little things that you can dial in at home, near home on short short local trails that are just going to be like so much harder to deal with when you're out in the desert of Southern California or, you know, in the humidity mosquitoes rain of Northern Maine, you know, much easier to learn and figure out stuff in your home. So that's always my biggest tip is just go backpacking a lot. Yeah. And I'm sure you go like really light now i'm sure you got everything pretty dialed um what's your like base weight usually yeah on uh the pacific crest trail it was six pounds on the appalachian trail it was right around six pounds as well um there has been some hikes where i've carried a bit more but generally it's just because i kind of want to try something new rather than i feel like i need more the one hike that uh I've done that I really felt like I needed more was just recently with the Great Divide Trail, just given like how truly remote that area is, how unpredictable the weather is, the, you know, there's moose, there's grizzly. So that brings in like more concerns just with like random day-to-day animal encounters. Uh, You know, just that hike really felt like I needed more, a more robust rain jacket, you know, some kind of satellite communication device in case something did go wrong, you know, a warmer quilt, you know, just newer things and warmer things and more robust things. But most other trails, most trails in the U.S., uh, my base weight's been around six pounds uh, for pretty much all my hiking, just using a tarp and using like a I don't know, a 30 liter backpack kind of thing. And yeah, going extremely, extremely minimal and trying to replace gear with, you know, certain techniques or skills to be able to get by without a lot of the stuff that most people would use. Dang. So your only shelter is a tarp. (laughs) Yeah. Only a tarp on the Appalachian trail. I did carry a very lightweight bivy with that tarp, but you know, so many other hikes, I've just used the tarp. And honestly, I feel like if I were doing the AT again, you know, I I could probably get away without the bivy. Just, you know, more experience has compounded. So yeah, just the tarp, no tent. So I do love the tents. They're great. You know, it's just been fun to kind of try and make like these super lightweight, super ultralight, like pieces of gear. Uh, work in no matter the environment you know the desert the rain the high alpine whatever it is yeah that's really interesting <laughs> um 
So like you just kind of deal with the bugs if they come in or uh No, so here's the trick, you know, uh <laughs> since I don't have since my tarp is only like a four ounce shelter versus the alternative carrying maybe like a 15 ounce or 20 ounce shelter, triple or quadruple, or I don't know, even more than that, uh, the weight, I'm not carrying that bug netting. So I have to figure out, well, how can I deal with the, the bugs without that? And so if I'm in an area that's buggy, uh, I can try and find a spot that's going to have a breeze that will blow through and blow away some bugs. That's a little thing. You know, I choose to camp away from water because uh, stagnant water, ponds, lakes, wetlands, whatever it is, that's just a breeding ground for bugs. So oftentimes I'll, you know, find a camp spot that's higher elevation and dry. There's no river, no lake, no water nearby, you know, which goes against like most people go out and like the best campsites are near lakes, but those are the prettiest campsites. They're just not the most like conducive for like actually nice conditions, you know, near a lake is going to have more bugs. It's also going to be colder near lakes. So you're going to need that bug net if you want to camp there and you're going to need more insulating layers. So if you choose like different campsites uh, that are potentially less buggy for various little reasons, then, you know, you can probably get away without that kind of stuff. It's just, you know, people want to camp near that lake and I don't blame them. It's beautiful. You know, but uh, it's just something I've kind of enjoyed going without and have found these little tricks to be able to do that. Yeah, that's super smart of you. Because, <laughs> I mean, when I go backpacking, you know, I have I think I've done like a week trip before um, and it's always near water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's the spot. That's the cool spot. It's the hangout spot. But uh yeah, if you want to go like ridiculously lightweight, then you kind of got to forgo maybe some of those things, you know, camping near that lake. Instead, try and find like a vista high higher up on the mountain overlooking that lake and uh, it'll be a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, I mean, I guess I'm always like freaked out about having enough water and whatnot, but I guess you just figure that out before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just, I guess, another time thing of uh, knowing how much you're going to need for the night, knowing how much you actually are going to drink, you know, and uh, depending on the weather, the environment. So a lot of just a little experience in there that kind of adds into that. Yeah. So are you um, bringing a stove at all? Or? I've, I've, for the most part, no. I started out, obviously, as everyone does, using a stove. And then as I kind of got more into the world of through hiking instead of just purely backpacking, you know, going out on these like multi-week, multi-month trips, I kind of found that the stove was just a hassle. You know, after like a long day, uh, you did 20 miles, 30 miles, whatever that day, and you're just tired. And the stove is kind of just like one more job to do. Whereas if you go stoveless and uh, you kind of cook your water with just or you cook your food with uh, whatever water, it, it really just needs rehydrating. So I'm still eating like a dinner, but uh, it's just so much simpler. You know, I as I'm walking along, maybe like three miles before my campsite or whatever, I'll add half a liter of water to my dinner. I'll screw it back on, put it in my backpack, forget about it. And then when I get to camp, I just like sit down and eat it right there. You know, there's no process. So that's also probably... Um, uh, maybe a little window into just like my hiking experience as well, though. A lot of my trips have been solo, you know, just me, uh, not having like a trail family out there, not really like hiking with too many others. And I feel like the stove is maybe similar to the lake and just that it's, it's a fun thing to do with friends. You know, you all hang out, you all cook your food together, you know, and you chat. Whereas like, you know, maybe if you're solo, it's not as fun to just like sit there alone and cook food, you know? <laughs> I I guess I could kind of see that, but I feel like for me, I would probably want to stove just because like having like a warm meal or like a, like a hot drink or something would be nice. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Uh, but maybe someday give it a shot, you know, try out, try out maybe a fancy backpacking meal that doesn't require like boiling water just see what that's like or i don't know i i really think it's just like a through hiker thing because if you're just on 
if you're if you're out backpacking for a day, a couple days, a few days, even a week, you know, like yeah, bring the stove. It's fun. It's great. But like, you know, for a couple of months where you're trying to like really shave off some weight and really shave off some time and be more like efficient uh, and get more miles or whatever, like the stove uh, is maybe a little bit less appealing to me at least. But there's still obviously a lot of people that bring them. Yeah, I mean, it's just another thing to carry that you don't necessarily really need. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's fun though. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. Like how uh, how lightweight you go. It's really cool. Um, you say you can do like all of this with just like a thirty liter backpack. Yeah, I forget exactly how large mine is, but it's right around that size. Um, I really should know this, but yeah, it's right around thirty liters. Um, I wouldn't, it's definitely not over 40 and it's probably not in the twenties, but yeah, it's, it's quite small. I mean, that's crazy. That's a day pack (laughs) for most people. Yeah. That's uh, (laughs) smaller than what you can bring on like as a carry on, you know, (laughs) it's just like a little carry on bag for a flight basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm living out of for like months. <laughs> yeah. I've lived out of a similar bag, um, just like world traveling, but like, you know, that's way different. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Actually recently I was, uh, brought to the attention of this other like kind of community similar to the ultralight world, uh, called one baggers, you know, where it's all about like international travel or long-term travel, uh, with just like a 30 liter backpack, you know, or a 40 liter backpack. And that's how you're like going to Italy for a week or going to Australia for a month, just out of this one little 30 liter pack. And uh, that's been kind of fascinating to follow because it's like so similar to the ultralight backpacking world where they're really trying to be like efficient with what they bring and, you know, only this amount of clothes and like, you know, don't leave the laptop behind. You don't need it. You know, it's just bulk and weight. Anyway, the one bagging community has been kind of fun to follow along with the past few months. Yeah, I am. I am one of them. <laughs> cool, so. man. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I think it's cool. Yeah, I mean, like basically, you choose like the cheapest flights possible. You bring like two outfits. Uh, <laughs> don't bring a laptop. Um, and I carry like a like a sleeping like a blow-up sleeping pad and like a little pillow and I sleep in airports and don't like try to minimize like booking hotels and only go to hostels and yeah yeah that's that's really sweet it's it's honestly been really fun for me just because like if I'm not backpacking and I'm just going on like a normal trip or whatever I never know what to bring, (laughs) you know, so kind of like seeing what all these other people are bringing on their like week long trip or two month trip or a year long trip, you know, and, oh, this is like the bare necessities of travel, you know, that's been really fun to look at. No, yeah, it's, it's really cool. And like, you can kind of like pick and choose your layovers so that you can like maximize as many countries as possible. Cool. You know, yeah, you're like, that's awesome. Oh, cool. Yeah, like, oh, I have a 24 hour layover in Paris. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole new world. You know, I've had some like really long layovers, and I just like sat at uh, sat at the airport for like the entire time. It's like, why no, did I do yeah. that? You know, <laughs> I yeah, I intentionally get like long layovers because it's cheaper if you do it do it that way because nobody wants to book those flights because they're like you know long amounts of time and a different country that you're not like necessarily going to but you can just leave the airport like do something real quick and then just sleep in the airport like don't even get a hotel or anything Uh, just find like an empty terminal and like set up your little sleeping bag setup and yeah just sleep there (laughs) yeah (laughs) because nobody nobody ever cares like it's an airport like yeah 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 Sure, yeah, I yeah, slept that's in a been couple. Cool. Not... Wow. <laughs> yeah. Sweet, man. <laughs> yeah. So you're in Canada right now? Yeah. Uh kind of I guess vacationing for six months because uh US citizens can stay in Canada for six months without really a visa. You know, it's just like a vacation. So staying in Canada for six months over the winter and uh, gonna learn how to ski. So I actually just went skiing for like the first time uh, in 20 years uh, over the weekend. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> How was that for you? It was it was it was really like daunting to go because this was like opening weekend. This was like the first time this resort is open and you have all these Canadians that have been skiing their entire life and are just like super stoked. And then there's me like a Floridian and my girlfriend Sprocket an Australian who haven't skied in forever and it's like what are we doing here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> all of all of our gear is like used from thrift stores or like gear exchanges and uh it was definitely very daunting to go, but we had a lot of fun and I feel like uh even though it's been so long, I feel like we kind of got the hang of, you know, the basics, I suppose, you know, how to control speed through turning and whatever else. So, yeah, yeah very yeah. excited. Yeah, I mean, I've been skiing for 25 years and I haven't wow. missed the season. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And <laughs> um, where are you based out of? Uh, Lake Tahoe. Okay, cool. Nice. So, which is your resort? Yeah. Uh, I ski Sierra Tahoe mostly. Um, Two. But I've skied, you know, Palisades. I've skied Mammoth, like all of them. Yeah, okay, of them. sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're in a really wonderful pocket for stuff like that. Yeah, there's 19 ski resorts um, within like an hour drive. So amazing, like... <laughs> yeah. And then like loads of backcountry skiing as well, touring and whatever. Yeah, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The backcountry is world class. Yeah, there's wow. yeah. so much of it, and it's all Lake Tahoe is cool, man. Yeah, yeah. You've you've been there, I'm sure. The PCT going through it. Yeah, yeah and Tahoe Rim Trail. Have you done that one? I have not actually. I've rode a lot of it on a bike, but I haven't. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah that is kind of funny it's like shared by so many hikers but then also like so many mountain bikers every single day just whizzing past you yeah but, mountain uh, biking is huge in tahoe it's yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i mean world-class mountains world-class trails so i i can understand <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah, that's totally. a super fun little fun little loop i know you're from the area but it could be like a cool new way to kind of experience and would probably only take you like four or five days. I don't know. Yeah. I have, it's been on my list forever. So sure. Cool. <laughs> I hope you get out there and give it a shot. Yeah. Like one thing I definitely want to do is, um, kayak or paddleboard, like the circumference of the lake oh, and wow. then, and then like road bike around the lake and then do the Tahoe rim trail. So you have like three different layers. Oh of like, my God. Yeah. yeah. That'd be so cool. That's like, triathlon to the max you know or like a whole new world of iron man because i i i know the trail is like 175 miles around and i don't know what the road or like paddling would be but that would be quite the epic like three-peat <laughs> the the paddling takes about a week um wow the you know rim trail t- probably takes four or five days maybe a week and then um the bike takes a day usually okay wow that's cool <laughs> incredible man yeah so that i mean that's just like a long-term tahoe goal that maybe i'll do one day i don't know <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah do you think you would enjoy paddling around the lake for a week yeah I, I think i would i mean i like my summer job is i teach paddling um oh okay so all right yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i like i teach stand-up paddleboarding um <laughs> take kids mostly but yeah (laughs) so if you did it would you paddleboard or would you like kayak i'd be on a kayak (laughs) okay (laughs) i'm not paddleboarding around the no (laughs) (laughs) that'd be pretty cool (laughs) yeah but it would be way too cold okay sure i mean i mean maybe if it was like 100 degrees the entire time but like yeah i would rather like be more protected than on a paddleboard (laughs) yeah understandable alright <laughs> yeah and I mean there people do it all the time there's like um, I know we talked about that we don't uh, camp near lakes but <laughs> there's uh, lots of these like different campsites that you can like pull off on and yeah oh yeah well I mean you know this is my like stupid ultralight philosophy versus practicality <laughs> right <laughs> Well, some I mean, trips you just gotta have that bug net you know that's that's all there is to it <laughs> <laughs> yeah um do you do like any other sports or are you mostly just like hiker hiker oh man uh i would say for sure just the hiker hiker 
I dabble in running every year, but then always something comes up and like I stop and forget about it for the rest of the year. Probably the hiking comes up. <laughs> um, so I, I really enjoy the running, but I wouldn't consider myself like a good runner. Uh, I don't know if you could call it a sport, but I really enjoy playing disc golf. And that's been fun, like traveling around in a van because every city in existence has like a small disc golf course or a really cool one at a local park. So living out of a van and traveling to new cities every single day, you know, it's just fun to roll up to this like new place, new park, new plants, new trees and get to throw a Frisbee around for like two hours. So yeah. that's yeah. like my other thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we we have like, several disc golf courses here. People get really yeah. Into I've it. played them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah there's yeah. really really good ones. Uh, one, whatever one it is on the east side of the lake that like is up the mountain is just one of the most beautiful disc golf courses I've ever played ever. Yeah, Zephyr Cove. I think. Yeah, Zephyr Cove is yeah. incredible. I'd love to go back there. Yeah, no, it's it's cool. People get real into it. <laughs> yeah, it for me it's just it started out as just like. I guess a fun way to experience like new areas, you know, cause in a van, a lot of times I feel like I'm unwanted there as you know, people look down on like homeless people and I don't think that's right uh, at all. And also I'm not really homeless. I have this van and I'm doing it by choice, but uh, you know, it's been like just nice to have a spot to go and chill and kind of like experience an area, but feel like you actually belong there. You know, you're at like a city park, you know, or a state park or wherever it may be. So, yeah, dude, isn't that so funny? Like, you know, I, I spent eight years in a van probably um, wow. off, on and off, but like pretty much always sort of in the van. Yeah. <laughs> like I've had, I've, you know, I've like rented a place for winter or something, but then like as soon yeah. as that's done, like, okay, we're, we're back in the van. But, um, for sure. Yeah. There was one time I was in a, salt lake city uh um like living at the climbing gym essentially um because <laughs> they let us like park in the parking lot because with with climbers there's a lot of like um like van life cultures like kind of built into it sure um, and uh it was right next to this walmart that um that had a lot of like homeless people that like were they're not by choice sort of thing and I remember this time I was like walking out of Walmart with like some groceries or whatever. And, uh, just like looking at all of these like homeless encampments, like, Oh man, God, that's so sad. <laughs> like they must be like so down on their luck. And then I like walk back, like get into the van, put my groceries down. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. You and like the six <laughs> other vans there, the, the van encampment. <laughs> like, wait, I am the same. Like, what? yeah. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, that dichotomy of like I'm doing it by choice versus doing it like because I have to is like such a different thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and certain areas are totally like cool, and other areas are very much so not cool. <laughs> like I, I maybe it's just me, but I've never had good luck in like the southeast with van life. You know, especially the Georgia, North Carolina, Alabama kind of areas where it just seems like I am a total alien. You know to these like people and areas and it's like oh man you know i'm here for like tourism you know i'm here to come to your like state parks and like spend some money in your area and you know it's just not the same as having like i guess a hundred foot rv or whatever oh uh, yeah totally yeah, yeah those guys probably don't get harassed at all <laughs> no probably not yeah i've had people do like donuts around me at night and like all sorts of stuff you know, it's like, oh, okay, I got to get out of here. Yeah, I've never like really done it that much in the East Coast. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the West, West West is so much better for it. I mean, there's so much BLM land and like, yeah, you know, never really had a problem. On the, yeah, it's on the West Coast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, what got you into van life? Why did you start doing that? Uh, It was the hiking. Yeah, I guess, you know, partly just going off and, uh, you know, like, I guess after doing the Appalachian Trail and a few others, I'm trying to think like what else, I don't know, a few other like shorter ones, the Shelter We Trace Trail and uh, 
random random other stuff and just kind of like enjoying living out of a backpack and living like more minimally you know and kind of like finding in my life you know what i enjoy instead of i guess just like collecting everything and trying everything i was paring things down into like this is what i really want to do and spend all my time on and the van seemed like most conducive to that because like traveling and visiting all these new places and these parks and these like mountains and stuff was just like so cool and eye-opening to me i just wanted to do more of that i guess <laughs> you know and then i also saw the van as like a cheaper way to live and you know even though it certainly has tons of complications you know with uh showering laundry finding wi-fi if you need to work on the road or finding work you know that's that's certainly a complication but you know, having done like a bit of through hiking at that time, it just seemed like those weren't really that big a deals, you know, that I felt like I could succumb that because of the, the backpacking experience and the van just seemed like the perfect little tiny home, right? Yeah, no, it, it totally is. And it's super cool to have like everything you own, like wherever you go. <laughs> oh, it's incredible. Yeah, just yeah. lean over and you have like anything. Yeah, it's so nice. Yeah, I love that. It's like my favorite yeah. part. You know, like you have your, your bed in the back. Like you can just go to sleep like anywhere. Yeah, or, <laughs> oh, you're out driving around and you feel like going climbing right now? Cool, you have all your climbing gear in the back. Or you feel like going for like a trail run? Cool, you got your like trail running stuff or disc golf? Yeah, sounds great. You know, like yeah. no matter what it is. Oh, you want to work? Cool, because you work from your van. <laughs> It's hey, also find a nice like library or coffee shop. <laughs> it's so convenient. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And like the cool, like you have your little mobile apartment, like anywhere, like you don't have to go home to do anything. You're already there. <laughs> like, usually. So yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Yeah. What, uh, what kind of van do you have? Oh, uh, basically as basic as it gets uh the ford e150 you know the classic work truck so i can't stand up in it uh but it's easy to fix and it's cheap to fix and parts are everywhere should i need them so that's really nice you know i can if something happens to go wrong in middle of nowhere alabama i can find a part right there wherever i'm at um which has happened once or twice uh yeah but the whole standing up thing i saw that as like all right i could spend thirty thousand dollars on uh what are those like a trans uh i don't i don't even know yeah like, pro master or dodge pro master i don't yeah, know yeah I, I could get i could spend like 30k on a van that i could stand up in and like uh do all these things but i was just like all right or I could save like $20,000 and just spend more time outside. You know, if I want to stand up, cool, let's go outside and do something outside. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's so, exactly how I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like so much, yeah, it sucks sometimes if you have like a few days of rain <laughs> and you are just like stuck in the van. That sucks. But uh, I think it really has been inspiring to like, you know, get out the camp chairs and cook my dinner outside or just like hang out outside, work outside, do everything outside instead of like spending so much time in the van. So. No, that's like exactly how I think about it. <laughs> I can't yeah. stand in my van either, but it doesn't matter because most of the time when I'm in the, I'm in the van, I'm like chilling, you know, I'm not yeah, like, exactly. You're yeah. sitting down, you're laying down, you're grabbing something and then going off to go do something else. So. Yeah. And I mean, you can, sit like you're who i mean maybe some people work standing up but i don't <laughs> yeah um, not me <laughs> i'm like super hunched over anytime i am working <laughs> if whether i'm in or out of the van terrible yeah. posture <laughs> yeah no, maybe same. because of the van who knows yeah the only thing that's like really that inconvenient is like the changing thing but uh, whatever the changing like, what like changing clothes is like that is kind of inconvenient when you can't stand but other than that yeah unless you're just camped in the middle of nowhere then <laughs> just true. go outside and, <laughs> yeah so yeah so much of my time was 
like in the van has been spent just like searching for that like super sick BLM spot where I have like cell service and you know it's like no one else is around and it's beautiful and so yeah 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 spending time alone in nature is amazing <laughs> yeah especially like if you you know go out to pee it in the middle of the night and there's just like crazy awesome Milky Way stars like above you like wow this is why yeah. I do this. <laughs> it's wonderful yeah or just like stepping out the van and like be trail running <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like yeah. oh wow because i'm literally camped on the pacific crest trail right now cool <laughs> yeah 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 that's awesome <laughs> have you ever had like any sketchy experiences um in the van or on the trail like with animals or people i'm trying to think of in the van i've definitely been harassed um you know, just people that don't understand, you know, people that don't get it and people that aren't cool, <laughs> uh, because no one is deserving of harassment. Uh, and then I can't think of a really specific situation of that or a good one, but on the trail, I've certainly had some like moments. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's always like never when I'm actually on trail, it's always a roadwalk. You know, it's always when you're passing through town or you're in a town or you're walking that road through a community on a trail that just isn't popular. And these people that live nearby don't really understand like what you're doing, you know, and why you're adjacent to their property, you know? So, oh, <laughs> yeah, I've de I've had uh, problems with dogs. Uh, I was bit by a dog once on a roadwalk. You know, a dog just kind of running free out on the roads that kind of like got into a pack of dogs and those dogs didn't appreciate me near their land. Uh, so that was no good. And I've had a couple bad experiences with people on roadwalks as well. Yeah, but never on trail, like actually physically in the woods. I, I've always kind of felt that like bad people are lazy and that's not entirely true, but I just feel like as soon as you're like away from that road, away from that trailhead and like even just five minutes down the path, like the chances of running into bad people drops significantly is how I feel. But I am like a six foot tall white guy. So my perspective is certainly different than others. But yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I've always felt that like the real danger is in humans. <laughs> yeah. That goes to, I, I've never had a bad experience with animals, as far as I can remember. Like, never a snake have I been concerned about. You know, a snake will let you know it's there, and it will either run away from you before you even realize it's there, or, you know, it'll rattle and kind of, like, give you a good warning. You know, I've had one bad experience with a bear, actually, around Lake Tahoe. But I feel like that's because uh, it's such a popular destination for backpacking that the bears are a little too comfortable with humans. So that could even go to say that the human are the, is the problem and the result is just a bear giving me a hard time. Um, but yeah, never yeah. really had like bad times with animals where it's like people can be weird sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so funny to me when people are like afraid of the woods. <laughs> like. Do you yeah, in... well, it's it's a lot of unknown. You know, a lot of people go out there and you're camping for that first night and you hear that sound and just not knowing what that sound is. You know, it could be, just be like a lizard, but that lizard can sound like a big old bear. And here you are just watching Cocaine Bear before you left on the TV and <laughs> it was a big mistake to do that, you know, and now you're worried about the Cocaine Bear. Um so, yeah, it's just the, the fear of the unknown. And I think, like, the more you kind of go out there and you have these, like, positive experiences in the woods, uh, you know, the better it gets. But Yeah. Yeah. I'm, like, way more afraid of cities than the woods. <laughs> so. Yeah, for sure. You know, as even in the van, just, like, all those times I've been out in the middle of nowhere on Forest Service land or, like, BLM land or whatever it may be, like, I've never met, like, bad people out there. You know, I've met the old retirees that are like super wonderful with their tiny little dog. And I've met like, you know, young other adventurers, travelers like that. And I don't know. Everyone's always been like super cool when I'm like out in the forest. But even in the van, as soon as I get into that city, like 
that people will start looking at me weird. Yeah. 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 Probably the same just backpacking. You know, like what are you doing dirty with a backpack in the city? You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just probably like people just don't understand what's happening. <laughs> Yeah, so it's cool when like trails do a lot of outreach to kind of like let local locals know, you know, that hey, there's this really awesome thing and there's the, all these athletes out here doing this, you know, and they're coming into your town to spend their money, you know, like they're doctors and lawyers and whatever it is, you know, all sorts of people go on these like adventures. And one of the trails I found was like really the best for, I guess, like community outreach was the Arizona Trail. Every trailhead has this giant, beautiful, like, map of uh, the AZT, and it shows, like, locals that you are here, and there's, like, another 700 miles north to Utah, and people are, like, doing that, you know? And every single trailhead just had these, like, beautiful, like, monuments like that. You know, all the communities were, like, super cool, I feel like, because they understood who you were and what you were doing, you know? Whereas, like, some places, it's just, like, the lack of knowledge, you know, the lack of outreach is maybe like the problem. Yeah, totally. I can see that. Um, what's your like favorite trail that you've ever done? I know it's hard oh, to rank that, but <laughs> I was thinking about that recently. Uh, it's probably the Pacific crest trail. It's just, you know, it's been around for so long that they've had so much time and it's so well known where they've gotten certainly a fair amount of funding because of that that you know they just made this like beautiful perfect thing you know and that's the pct it's just like super cruisy every day like there's fun and unique challenges and conditions along the way with like this the desert in the south or the potential for snow in the sierra and the high elevation and then like i don't know washington with the super hard difficult like climbs and uh so the pct is just like probably my favorite and then uh, is it's in between the Arizona Trail or the Great Divide Trail. The Arizona Trail, I just it's a younger, newer trail, but I feel like the organization and the volunteers and the association, whatever, has just been has just done the most amazing job to like make the AZT something really, really special. You know, go through some really cool areas in Arizona, and then also just like with all those trailhead signs and like all the communities, like welcoming you open arm, it just, it feels so good to be out there and on it, whether you're like on the trail walking these beautiful footpaths or in the towns, like, you know, having so much like trail magic and luck and friend friendship and companionship and whatever. And then most recently the great divide trail was just like, so unbelievably spectacular and adventurous and challenging, but it, maybe is probably like third on the list because there's a lot of like permits that are needed and there's still a couple things that like aren't quite ironed out, but it's such a new trail, you know, like no one's expecting them to be perfect, you know, when they've only existed for like 10 years. That's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. So that's my like top three at the moment, I'd say. So how do you like make enough money and I guess, how much does it cost to do one of these trails and how do you make enough money to do it? Yeah, good question on the cost. Everyone is super different, you know, and it, I mean, it, it changes so vastly depending on like who you are and what you want from this experience. You know, like if you want to have like a really posh time out there, like you can spend a ton of money and have like the sickest experience you know in every town at every restaurant at like every little resort whatever you know but there's a lot of people that really like scrounge scrounge by so it varies greatly and it's kind of hard to say i think on the pacific crest trail i spent about six thousand dollars um and that's for like a less than 90 day hike you know so that's about two thousand dollars a month um, and I felt like I was fairly frugal, but it it adds up over time. And I think maybe some of these trails are becoming a little bit more expensive as the communities maybe are realizing that, hey, there's this great source of income literally walking through our town for three months out of the year, every year. 
you know, and good for them. Like here they are serving us and helping us. And like, they, they deserve to receive stuff from that, you know, because otherwise I feel like we're going to run them into the ground, you know, with all of our needs and, you know, being out in the woods for a week at a time. So I don't know. It really varies greatly. I've heard of people even these days hiking the PCT for like as little as $2,000, you know, 4,000 less than me. But uh, I think that's like so difficult. And in a lot of ways, I kind of feel like people that really try and do that, some of them wind up like taking advantage of folks along the way. And I don't really love that. You know, like even trail angels and stuff, you should always at least offer to like pay for the ride or pay for the stay or, you know, to help them out because you know, if, if enough people kind of like, don't do that, the trail angel is probably not going to be around for that long. And, you know, anyway, there, there's certainly worse examples out there of people taking advantage, but yeah. So, um, it's certainly not the most expensive way to live. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not going out to like the club every night and stuff like that, but, uh, so it's like fairly cheap as living goes, it's like, I don't have rent for the time that I'm out there. Um, I don't, I'm like spending a week in the woods where I wouldn't even have the option of going out, uh, and eating and spending money and buying things and having like, you know, normal day to day, day to day home life needs to spend money on. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's not too bad, but it's kind of like, it's whatever you want to make of it. You know, you can have a super cheap frugal time. It's going to make your life a lot harder or, uh, you can spend a little bit more and the more you spend, the easier it can get. (laughs) Unfortunately, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, what do you do for work? Like, how do you make money to like fund your adventures? Sure. Originally I, man, long time ago, I was just working like, uh, I was, I called myself the dairy queen because I was like the dairy guy at a grocery store, you know? <laughs> uh, and I really like enjoyed that, but I did that for, I don't know, maybe like four years or something to save up for my first big through hike, you know, and like collect the gear and like go out and do all these like shorter trips, uh, in between, you know, and save up just for the trip in general to make sure I had enough cash to do that. Um, so I went on that trip, came home, found another job. I was, what was I even doing? I don't know, another little job. So just worked for another few months, then went out and did like another couple through hikes. Uh, that year was very frugal um, because I didn't have much money to spend. <laughs> didn't work for very long in between. And uh, at some point I got a job as a metal like fabricator. Uh, we were working on like flood protection systems and that paid really, really well. So I was able to save up quite a bit of money, uh, from that. And from there I started, well, I guess prior to that, I was already doing it, but I kind of started to, I guess, treat the YouTube stuff and, uh, all this like documenting I was doing of my trips as a little bit more of a job. You know, like originally I was writing like guides because I'm from Florida. I was writing like guides on how to hike certain trails in Florida, you know, and I was just doing that for fun because I kind of liked sharing and I kind of liked taking notes and, you know, and then uh, I started like making little videos again, just like for fun. So this is a few years past uh, that stage of just like doing it for fun and everything. And, uh, so I'd saved some money doing the metal fabricating work. And I guess I like kind of started making a little bit of money from YouTube and had like money saved up to supplement that for a while. I got another like part-time job as a acrylic painting teacher after I quit the metal fabrication. So then I could do the Mm part-time as a painting teacher, but also do like the YouTube as the other kind of like part-time thing to make all of this work. Um, but yeah, I'm certainly not like getting rich because I don't know, there's a lot of things I could do to like really 
grow fast or make more money doing like the YouTube stuff or the content creation stuff. But so much of it just feels like not genuine. And it feels like, again, maybe taking advantage of the followers or the the people that have enjoyed my stuff for so many years. And so I've always kind of taken a hit money-wise to try and keep it like, I don't know, just more real to me, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've probably seen like every single one of your videos, so. Oh, I cool. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're like perfectly justified on, on uh, making that your job, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I was I was doing the YouTube stuff. I was doing the blog stuff, uh, the website and all that stuff for, for many, many, many years before I ever made a single dollar. Um, and it wasn't until uh, one of my friends kind of told me like, hey, you should actually like do this as like work instead of just like purely for fun (laughs) i mean that's the that's the dream right though is like being able to make your the thing you're passionate about your job as well Um, yeah it's been super cool you know because in the end it's like all right it's a job but i'm still trying to just treat it as like i'm trying to either be entertaining with the videos or helpful you know providing resources for other people so that they can go off and do these things themselves, you know, and not just like, uh, spend money on this, spend money on that. And me get kickbacks and whatever. It's just like, here's the adventure. Here's a bunch of information, you know, either it's all for free, you know, YouTube is just totally for free. And I love that aspect of it. You know, I can do something that I really enjoy and uh in the process i can hopefully help other people do the same so yeah dude your channel's awesome love it like i said i watch like every video (laughs) so yeah definitely keep doing that you know life is is too short to just be stuck in a job you hate you know (laughs) yeah i don't know or like there's been a lot of times where i've taken like i guess a break from the youtube stuff you know, and again, taking a massive hit, like financially, <laughs> like living off of next to nothing for that, for the duration of my break. But, you know, there's so many people that just like burn themselves out doing, I guess, what I'm doing or really doing any job. And it's like, you got to take those breaks. So I'm definitely trying to do it for, I guess, like the long term. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, all great things build over time, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, that's what I've found. It's just like the longer I do it, the, it just keeps gr- growing. It keeps working out. So, you know, it seems like, well, I could do all these like things that I don't want to do and other people wouldn't like to get like massive growth right now. Or I could just like kind of slowly do the things that I love the most and, uh, hopefully people will enjoy that more. Yeah. I, I mean, know. you got to think, yeah, you got to think about like, if you spend too much time doing something you hate, then you're just going to regret it. It's it's better to like take the hit now and then build something you really want to do. And then later, later, maybe you're making the same money <laughs> or something. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. It, like I said, I'm I'm not really like getting rich. So sometimes it's it is hard to like make that choice of like why don't I do this? But then also, I don't know. I I don't want to like alienate people. You know, I want I just I don't know. I want to be helpful and fun and entertaining and whatever else and I I don't want to like shill myself out. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I see that. <laughs> but you got to make your money somehow. So. <laughs> yeah, I guess in the end, but you know, trying to make it work in in ways that make sense to me. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you have like any upcoming plans for hiking or are you just going to do the skiing thing for a minute? Yeah, well, the the skiing thing is the big thing this winter, you know. I don't think I'm really doing anything hiking wise this winter. You kind of got to go do the Florida trail, which I've done twice. 
uh, if you want winter hiking, or maybe there's a couple like weird desert hikes you could do instead, or go to New Zealand, Australia, which I did last winter. I went to New Zealand briefly and did some hiking there over the winter. Yeah, my um, my friend Kelly's doing that right now. I don't know what she's yeah, doing. That's, <laughs> that's probably the most like interesting optimal of all the winter options, right? Go to freaking New Zealand, search for the <laughs> search for the Kiwis. But uh yeah, so just skiing this winter and I really wanted to like get into skiing, I guess in large part because of the Pacific Crest Trail and how uncomfortable I felt on snow. You know, where I feel like by learning to ski a bit and spending more time on snow and just kind of like learning the ways of the snow, you know, like how do you slide? How do you stop? How do you like, you know, let's just like immerse myself in snow (laughs) in British Columbia, Canada for six months. And uh, I feel like that'll hopefully make me a little bit better of a hiker as well. So that was originally partly like the idea of wanting to do this um so yeah hopefully hopefully i'll be a bit better on snow like for future trails but i am really thinking uh there's a very large possibility of doing the continental divide trail next year and uh kind of toying around with doing a bikepacking trip uh i want to bike pack across japan you know the length of japan that's cool and <laughs> i guess that'd be more like bike touring cycle touring rather than bike packing Maybe some people out there are very particular about those words, but um, yeah, so that's kind of like a big thing that I want to do. I've never done any like touring or bikepacking or anything, so I think that'd be kind of like a fun journey to throw myself into, and I don't think it would take me very long to do that, you know, maybe like a month or something, so I think that could be really cool, Um, but yeah, Continental Divide Trail, maybe a bikepacking trip. Uh, And then the other like large idea, the thing that really interests me would be next winter and doing the Tararoa Trail in New Zealand. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So yeah, that's, that's kind of the three like big leading ideas for next year. And uh, we'll, we'll see how I feel in like four or five months from now when we're getting a lot closer. But yeah. 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 Have you thought about doing any um, like ski touring, like multi-day ski touring? Yeah, man, we originally, we, we really wanted to get like a touring setup, but we don't know anything about skis. Like we're Googling what are bindings kind of thing, you know? (laughs) So like, we don't know anything and we're, we're not buying anything new. It's all used. So it's just, we're at the mercy of like what we've been able to find used. And sometimes that's been really great. We found some like super cool stuff that's like ridiculously cheap at like, I don't know, random thrift stores or gear exchanges or Facebook marketplace. But, uh, you know, sometimes we find what we think is a good deal and maybe it is, but then three days later we find a way better deal on like a touring setup or something, but our money's already spent. So we went into this wanting to get into touring, but just having no clue about anything in skiing uh we just like wound up with uh just a resort setup (laughs) yeah i mean that's a that's a good place to start this might be uh, a dumb idea to tell a beginner but look into telemark skiing um it's it's a lot different but it's if you start out well if you get good at teleskiing there's like no way it's it doesn't get any better for like backcountry touring um is that something to do with the bindings yeah yeah so your heel isn't locked down (laughs) oh sure sure yeah i saw someone at the resort with those things and i was like that's kind of funny just going down this little green run with that but (laughs) yeah i mean i switched to it like two years ago and it's just so like if you can get good at it it's so efficient um okay like with because like you get to the top of the mountain if you're a snowboarder like i'm usually a snowboarder like i have a split board mm. and stuff um you have to take so long to transition to like yeah get all of your stuff like put back into a snowboard and then like go down with telemark you don't even have to take off your skis like <laughs> you get to the top rip your skins off and then you're done 
Um, that's cool. Yeah. I was actually looking at splitboarding just last night and I thought it was kind of funny. It looks like there's like ski bindings on it, like in between the snowboard bindings. I was like, that's weird, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's the, just a whole new world for me. Yeah. It's the same bindings, uh, turn into basically telemark bindings. Um, yeah. like you have like a free heel. Um, and then you can kind of like hike with it. And then you have like skins that you put on the bottom of it. And like, you can hike up like really steep snow um, and it doesn't slip, which is yeah. crazy to me. I have no idea how that works, but <laughs> yeah, I don't either. Like sandpaper for skis is what it looks like to me. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's wild how like well it works. I just, I don't like, you can literally just walk up, snow that you would normally be like sliding down and for some reason this like this like carpet that's on the bottom of your ski like (laughs) grips it and like you can just easily walk up it's like whoa (laughs) wow yeah don't get it so don't get it so maybe we'll keep looking at the facebook marketplace see if we can find like any touring things for like hella cheap because our money's spent you know we're not buying (laughs) many new ski things at this point Uh, yeah and then it's kind of yeah it's a really expensive sport <laughs> i guess if you if you don't know what you're looking for it is but i feel like if we knew like next year if we're buying like a new setup or something i feel like we could get it for like a quarter of the price you know just like being a little bit more patient uh but yeah it was the the lack of knowledge which is a good lesson in backpacking because i feel like a lot of people will look at backpacking and through hiking as if it's like extremely expensive and it can be you know but there's certainly a lot of things and a lot of gear and a lot of tricks with like you know just kind of knowing what to look for where you can save like tons and tons of money doing it so that that's a video i'm looking to make in the next like month or something nice (laughs) yeah like tips for saving money uh backpacking and with gear and all that stuff you know yeah i mean you can you can save money with ski stuff too um basically like look at used gear shops like you said and uh, a lot of the time like well like i just know a lot of people so i can get stuff like pretty easily because people are selling things that they don't want you know um for like pretty cheap um so uh yeah i think i spent my current like telly setup i think i spent maybe three hundred dollars on it um Oh wow! But but that's because I worked at a used gear store in Moab, Utah. Um, oh, and cool. got it and got it there <laughs> for real cheap. And then um, my buddy is a like really really experienced tele skier, and he had these bindings that he just gave me. Because um, yeah, he like has so many of them. But sweet. Yeah, so so yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's it's expensive, but like if you work at a ski resort, which I usually do, then the pass is free, oh, nice. and then. And then, yeah, like, if you're around enough people that are skiing all the time, like, they have extra gear, mostly. (laughs) Okay. Maybe you can uh, give your opinion on this. Kind of, like, jokingly, I signed up to try and be, like, an ambassador for the local ski resort here. Because I thought, like, how funny would it be to be, like, me, who's never really skied, next to, like, nine other people that are, like, pros? But I thought like, hey, I kind of have a following and it could be like fun and good marketing for them. Here's this guy that's never skied who's going to like learn how to ski at our resort, you know, and obviously going to spend a ton of time here and whatever. Anyway, do you think I'm going to get the ambassador uh, position? Uh, I mean, <laughs> There's only it... 10 positions and you get a free season pass. Um, I mean, I have worked for um like kind of in that same capacity um for this site called Snowbrains. it's um mm. basically just like before the time of ai you like write an article <laughs> like trip reports of like your day at a ski resort um yeah i mean you would have to be probably good enough to get anywhere on the mountain to like take sure. photos or whatever but yeah they yeah it seemed uh, like they didn't really have any obligations like there was like they said you must be available for like two photo shoots but i thought like hey you know i'm gonna be out there i'm probably gonna be like sharing stuff just because i want to share stuff you know like maybe it could work out for both of us (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I would say try it. You know. <laughs> yeah, I applied. I'm, I'm just super curious as to whether I'll actually get it or not. You know. <laughs> I mean, there are people that work in marketing that don't know how to ski really. Um, definitely. Sure. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, I, I would say you definitely have to be able to get anywhere on the mountain though, which okay. like you'll, you'll do it easily. Like, yeah, I'm sure. I think, you know? yeah, we're, we're going to go like every weekend. So yeah, if if you go, that, that's like one thing I would say is just go as much as humanly possible. Yeah. Like, like don't take days off <laughs> to do anything else. Just ski yeah. while the skiing is there and then you'll, you'll definitely get good enough like pretty quickly. But, yeah, well, I think it could yeah. be like a cool little like niche for them or a market for them of like people that aren't already like skiing people to see like someone else that isn't, but like becoming a skiing person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I I've thought too much about this of like, wow, that'd be kind of funny and cool. But uh, anyway, yeah. I mean, I would say if you really want to get good at skiing, uh, just get a job at a ski resort that. Yeah, has a job that allows you to ski a lot, you know. Yeah, I I think I might do that like next year. I think that would be really really cool. So yeah, yeah. like very my, interested. Yeah, my winter job is um, I work for guest services. Um, okay. At at Sierra Tahoe, which is an amazing, amazing ski resort, pumped out a bunch of Olympians, um, like amazing mm. parks. Uh, and I ski like four hours a day usually um uh, doing like market research essentially so like i have a tablet and i go around and uh like survey people on the mountain and see like oh, that's how, cool. they, how they like the resort if they're having a good time like anything we can improve on you know stuff like that but wow, i do it on that's the lift. awesome but, yeah so but <laughs> i do it on the lift so i'm skiing four hours out of like the eight hours in there easily um, yeah cool man. and so like, yeah find like something like that would be like my my advice for getting good at it yeah i've met a lot of just over the years with the through hikers you know people that want to spend their summers not working i've met a lot of people that work the winters at like their resorts and stuff and i don't think i've ever really heard like bad things i don't know it just seems like everyone's like enjoyed the time and they don't make the most amount of money but they make enough money to like through hike that next year and maybe like have a bit left over so it seems like a really cool like existence for a while yeah i mean i don't make that much <laughs> yeah but it's definitely enough you know but it's the experience too you know yeah no yeah that's what it's all about it's like getting trying to maximize the most amount of fun possible while still making money <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> understood cool we're at a uh, an hour and six usually this is where i kind of see if you need to do anything else today or if you want to keep talking whatever <laughs> um it's up to you uh i think i should probably go though uh sprocket has gotten a she has an actual working visa i'm just on vacation um nice. so <laughs> she has to go to work sometime soon so i think i'll hang out cool. with her before before then so yeah, yeah sounds good yeah we can wrap it up if you want <laughs> yeah cool man well, it's oh, yeah. been really great talking to you. Yeah, dude. Nice to uh, nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, you as well. All right, bye, buddy. Cheers, man. Cheers.